Chapter Nine of the Sealed Message by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Nine, Mrs. Crosby. That same afternoon, when Mr. Haskins was arraying himself in a Bond Street kit to call on the fascinating widow, he was seized with a sudden qualm as to the wisdom of his intention. After all, as Todd very truly observed mrs crosby was supposed to be engaged to major rebb although no official announcement had appeared in the morning post if then he related the secret which was connected with the pixies house and with a pretty girl mrs crosby inspired by jealousy might forthwith demand an explanation from rebb in that case vulgarly speaking the fat would be on the fire and there would be a fine blaze on the other hand gerald wished to enlist mrs crosby on his side for two reasons firstly she had been the close friend of his mother to whom he had been tenderly attached and as a boy he had flirted with her in the calf love stage they now were what todd would call pals and gerald usually took all his troubles to her for she was a wise little woman of course there were nasty people who called mrs crosby an adventuress and who said that she nagged her late husband to death but these were in the minority so far as haskins could read character and he prided himself thereon mrs crosby was a good woman who certainly ought not to marry a rascal like rebb and that the major was a rascal gerald believed perhaps on insufficient premises for after all there might be an honest explanation of the pixies house mystery in the second place haskins wished to remove mavis from her prison and as some time would necessarily have to elapse before he could marry her he desired to place her under the wing of mrs crosby since the widow was connected with rebb this seemed rather like putting mavis into the lion's cage but mrs crosby was the sole woman of haskins acquaintance of whom he could ask the favour of chaperoning a young girl also once mavis was at the flat and practically beyond rebb's reach since he then could not hide her again there would be no necessity for further concealment and the major would have to account to mrs crosby for the detention of his ward in devonshire the explanation which would have to precede the marriage of mrs crosby to rebb could then be detailed to haskins and all things would be made straight of course there was always a chance that they might be too crooked to be straightened if so it was the more necessary that mavis should be placed in mrs crosby's guardianship and that the little woman's eyes should be opened bearing these things in mind haskins descended into the street to call a hansom and proceeded to visit mrs crosby she dwelt along with her mother in a palatial block of mansions known as ladysmith court and which had been erected by a financier of south african fame the mansions were situated near marylebone road and although the address was not ultra fashionable the rents were high when gerald paid his cab at the foot of the marble steps and surveyed the huge pile of red brick buildings he reflected that todd must be wrong about the widow's financial position only a rich woman could afford to live here and there could be no money-grubbing idea in connection with the rebb marriage even though the major had six thousand a year nevertheless it was strange that mrs crosby should marry rebb when he was so much disliked by mrs birch of whom her daughter was extraordinarily fond mrs crosby's flat was on the second floor and gerald was shown into a small but smart drawing-room by a neat maid servant it was a true woman's room luxuriously furnished prettily decorated and filled with all manner of useless knick-knacks and fancy china and silver-framed photographs and japanese draperies and finally with masses of flowers and many-hued vases 
the scent of the blossoms and the perfume of a burning pastille made the atmosphere fragrant but somewhat heavy in spite of the rose-curtained french windows which opened on to a tiny balcony near one of the windows mrs crosby was seated looking somewhat pale and disturbed and facing her was an overdressed man with white hair and moustache who looked like a foreigner how are you gerald asked mrs crosby when haskins was announced and addressing him by his christian name according to custom i have not seen you for ages she shook hands and looked at him how brown you are my dear boy allow me to introduce you two men signor venosta mr haskins mr haskins signor venosta who has been amusing me do sit down tea will be in presently i have a been a with you one hour alas madam but i must a depart said signor venosta who was a stout oily-looking italian of the tenor type dressed in too gaudy a style to satisfy gerald's fastidious taste i have a been a with you one hour you should add that it has seemed like one minute said mrs crosby with a pretty little laugh and waving a fan for the heat was stifling well if you must go you must she rose and walked with her visitor to the door glancing over her shoulder meanwhile excuse me gerald i shall return soon and she left the room with the italian this marked courtesy was not usual with mrs crosby as she was a spoiled beauty who preferred that others should wait on her rather than that she should trouble herself about others haskins wondered at her self-denial and especially in the face of such heat wondered also that she should look so pale and worried apparently something was wrong with mrs crosby and he began to conjecture whether todd was correct as to money matters gerald was not over-rich himself but he determined to question his mother's friend and learn if possible what bothered her so that he could prefer help his hostess returned after some minutes and looked quite herself but the renewed colour might have been due to the reflection of the rose-hued curtains she tripped across the olive-green carpet like a fairy and resembled one being delicate and tiny and beautifully formed people said that mrs crosby's blonde hair and pink and white complexion were due to art since a woman of forty could not possibly look so young without artificial aids be this as it may she certainly appeared wonderfully pretty in her white silk tea-gown which was draped with expensive lace haskins complimented her on her looks when she sank again into her chair and took up the cigarette-case lying on the table at her elbow and yet you know added gerald thoughtfully i fancied that you looked worried and pale when i came in mrs crosby lighted her cigarette and shot a clean glance at him we all have our worries my dear boy she said blowing a wreath of smoke you should not have any mrs crosby and if there is anything that i can put right you know that i yes yes i know she interrupted hurriedly but you can't it really is nothing oh nothing at all it is the heat that makes me look pale and washed out mother is lying down quite exhausted but will be in to tea i hope no one else will come gerald and then we can have a nice long talk that is what i have come to have he said soberly and produced his own cigarette-case which he laid on the table give me a match please thank you he lighted up i am in trouble and you have come to me as usual yes i hope that i don't carry coals to newcastle mrs crosby shrugged my troubles are only minor ones such as come to every woman when she gets past her youth you are in the flower of it and you have known me for years 
gerald you certainly must have irish blood in you to pay such extravagant compliments don't think too well of me my dear boy i have my faults why not look at the upbringing that i have had she ended bitterly why your mother is all that a mother can and should be interrupted the little woman i know that gerald but her husband my father was a brute my husband whom he made me marry in my teens was a brute both my mother and i have suffered poverty and nearly open shame poverty gerald glanced round the luxurious room crowded with such splendid things mrs crosby shrugged again these are only necessities she said contemptuously fancy a woman of my tastes having to live in a flat and being bothered by tradespeople i want a town-house a country-house a yacht a chance of travelling all over europe like other rich people in fact i want thousands a year and i have not got them gerald looked down meditatively so todd was right after all and mrs crosby was hard up even to the extent of being dunned by tradespeople he wondered if he could help her you have known me long enough to accept a check he stammered she whipped away the offer contemptuously although i thank you very much for offering the money she said graciously you always were a dear boy but the amount of money i want would ruin you since i am aware that you have but the five hundred a year left by your dear mother there there she tapped him with her closed fan we won't talk further of these disagreeable things all will be well when you marry major rebb asked haskins pointedly why not the major is not bad-looking and has a good position and at least five thousand a year six i believe corrected gerald who told you that todd macandrew he heard it from your mother mrs crosby nodded yes i believe that my mother asked mr macandrew some questions regarding settlements on the chance that i should marry major rebb but mr macandrew should not have spoken about this he did not said gerald hastily you can still trust macandrew as your legal adviser he has not betrayed your confidence regarding settlements he merely mentioned major rebb's income how did you come to be talking of major rebb gerald flung the fag end of his cigarette into a silver ash-tray and rose to pace the room he could always talk better when in motion i want you to help me madge he remarked you mustn't call me madge said mrs crosby with a look at the door major rebb would not like it then you are engaged well yes i want money and-are you quite sure that rebb has money mrs crosby started to her feet and crossing the room gripped the young man by his arm her face was perfectly pale and her voice sounded uncommonly hoarse what do you mean i don't mean anything said gerald astonished by her emotion rebb is no doubt as wealthy as king solomon i only meant that you should make sure of the settlement as your friend i could say nothing else but mrs crosby was not satisfied you have heard no rumour to the effect that major rebb is poor or is likely to lose his money no 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 said haskins in perfect good faith do sit down and compose yourself if anything were wrong in that way i should speak out he could say nothing else as of course his idea regarding the possible will and money having been taken from mavis was mere theory 
mrs crosby looked at him piercingly after which scrutiny she returned to her seat apparently she counted upon this marriage releasing her from terrible trouble and dreaded lest it should fall through i wish you would not frighten me she said querulously my nerves are not strong mother and i are going to bognor next week for the change we both need one very badly well she selected another cigarette and became more her bright self which she knew so well so you wish me to help you yes and i wish you to keep what i say to yourself promise she looked at him hard you are very mysterious i am very much in earnest he rejoined dryly mrs crosby shuffled i can't promise until i know what you are going to say she observed irritably her nerves as she had said were certainly very bad there is something in that replied haskins and felt inclined to withdraw without telling his story but after some reflection he compromised at all events you must hold your tongue about my secret for at least a month and by naming this time he hoped to deliver mavis from her imprisonment within three weeks i promise said mrs crosby curiously but i know your secret you are in love gerald was startled how could you tell that he demanded astonished she laughed i am a woman and observant as well as intuitive look at your eyes in yonder mirror at the expression of your face at your whole bearing hm said haskins but half satisfied every one is not so clever as you are madge don't call me madge i tell you yes i shall when we are alone hang it i have known you for years and besides i wish you to do me a service i have your promise to hold your tongue for a month yes 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 go on go on i am all ears my story concerns major rebb what then you did mean something when you mentioned him last i meant nothing that will stop your marriage said gerald crossly although i don't know why a nice woman like you madge should marry him mrs crosby stared major rebb is supposed to be a delightful man he may be to those who don't know him i believe that you are jealous she said with a nervous laugh well and how does your secret affect the major see here madge you may think me mean speaking about rebb to you and behind his back but i am doing so at that risk because i wish you to help someone in whom i am interested otherwise i am quite ready to see rebb personally and have it out with him later on say in three weeks more or less i shall for then i hope that mavis will be with you here and quite safe mavis ah the girl you are in love with what is she to major rebb may i ask mrs crosby's voice rose when she put this question and her eyes grew as hard as jade while her face coloured a deep red ah said haskins surprised then you love rebb no but he is rich and-i don't see what right you have to ask me such questions go on what have you to say if you love rebb i can't speak i don't love rebb go on i'll keep my promise gerald hesitated no longer rising to his feet he again began to pace the room and related the same story as he had told todd only in this especial instance he suppressed his theory regarding the will and the money mrs crosby listened quietly and with an expression of dismay but she made no remark until he had finished you are telling me a fairy tale 
she said quietly yes isn't it cried gerald delighted with her quietness i mean that it is untrue i swear it isn't mavis is kept in that pixie's house and i found her by means of the sealed message as i have described now i want you to get her up here and look after her until i can marry who will bring her here i shall and within three or four weeks ah said mrs crosby quietly now i see why you asked me to hold my tongue for a month gerald you are wrong to act in this way as i have made a promise i shall keep it but it will be better for you to release me from that promise then i could ask major rebb about his ward and persuade him to let me have her up here in any case when i marry major rebb i shall have to do with this girl you love what you suggest madge would certainly be better and i may say more straightforward i hate acting in this way behind rebb's back and i intend later to speak plainly to his face but you forget how rebb has put it about that mavis is a homicidal maniac that is untrue you can't be sure of that gerald you have not seen sufficient of her to judge to take a girl reputed mad from her seclusion would be very wicked any crime which she might commit would be laid at your door but surely madge the action of major rebb is not that he may have and probably has good grounds for shutting up the girl gerald bit his lip beginning to see that with all his caution he had made a dire mistake then you won't help me no said mrs crosby firmly how can you expect me to help you against major rebb when we are engaged to be married and how can you ask me to take charge of a girl who is mad she is not mad i tell you and i tell you that she is mad otherwise major rebb certainly would not shut her up what reason could he have to shut up a sane girl it was on the point of haskins's tongue to explain his theory but having made one mistake as he plainly saw from mrs crosby's attitude he did not wish to make another you will keep your promise of silence he urged earnestly yes on condition that you make no attempt to run away with the girl from that madhouse i speak in your own interest you will get into trouble if you take an insane woman from her lawful guardian you seem to be quite certain that mavis is mad said gerald bitterly however as you know my secret and i am at your mercy i promise i think that you are very ungrateful cried mrs crosby many another woman would have declined to keep what you call the secret at all i have made a mistake confessed gerald and he could have kicked himself that he a man of the world should be such a fool well said mrs crosby as the door opened to admit the servant with afternoon tea let us say no more about it i promise to hold my tongue for a month and you promise to leave the girl alone meanwhile gerald waited until the tea-tray was arranged and the girl had departed no he said decisively i have been wrong and you have shown me my duty i shall call on major rebb to-morrow and explain you cannot replied mrs crosby the major is in devonshire this announcement complicated matters then i follow rebb to devonshire said gerald doggedly my mistake must be put right End of chapter nine